heart of the matter. I'm Sean McCraney. All right, let's have a word of prayer if we can. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise your name. We're grateful, Lord, for all you do. We just present this show to you and ask you to do with it as you will. Let me die to myself. Let me keep my responses kind and humble and, and not to get too angry or frustrated. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul loved the people he came from. Paul was a Jew of the Jews, and he loved Israel. In Romans chapter 10, I want to read to you four verses that are very important. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted, them, submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. What Paul is saying there is, I love Israel, and the thing I want for them is for them to be saved. And yet they go about, and they're full of zeal for God, but it's their own righteousness that they're trying to please God. And they're not looking at the righteousness of God that sanctifies them before him through Jesus Christ, who is the end of the law. I want, you, I want to apply that to myself for a minute. Not that I'm any way, shape, or form uh, comparable to Paul, but Latter-day Saints are my people. And my LDS brothers and sisters, I have a heart that you should be saved. For I know that you have a zeal for God. But you do that without the knowledge of the Bible. And you go about to establish your own righteousness. Because you don't understand the righteousness of God. So we've gotten a lot of emails, some of which I'm going to cover later. And uh, some message, our message board uh, responses have quadrupled. We've, I've received some very angry accusations. Threats on my physical safety are coming in from Latter-day Saints who believe that they are standing for the truth. I've been called a bleepity bleep bleep. Uh, I've been called an ignorant fat. The fat thing's coming through quite a bit. It's not going to change my eating habits, sorry. Uh, but the fat thing comes through that I'm a liar. I'm being called a liar quite often and that I'm bitter and full of deception. And forgive me for a minute for this anecdotal story from my personal life, but I think it really helps illustrate exactly how I am and how I feel toward the Latter-day Saints. I grew up in Southern California, and all my early teen years, I was in a program called Junior Lifeguards. And in that program, they train you to be an ocean lifeguard, which I became later on. My last year of Junior Lifeguards, this training program, I was assigned to a man whose name was Mr. Bray. Now, Mr. Bray was known for really knowing the ocean, for being a strict disciplinarian, and really kind of being cantankerous with people. I didn't understand what that meant until I met him, and he berated me for things he knew about me. If I made, voiced an opinion, Mr. Bray would berate me for that opinion in front of others. I hated Mr. Bray, and Mr. Bray, I thought, hated me. And so we had this, this, this relationship that seemed to be based in hate and anger. And I really didn't understand what he was doing. And this was especially emphasized one afternoon when he came up and said, Sean, do you want to swim the pier with me? 
And swimming around the Huntington Beach Pier was a thing that you would do in junior lifeguard training. And I said, sure. So we, we got on one side and we said, go. And we started swimming and he kind of nudged me toward the pier. And as I kind of swam around him, I was faster and younger than him. He kind of nudged me the other way and I thought, you're being aggressive, aren't you? And we swam around the pier and we came in. I beat him and as I waited for him, he came up out of the water and he said, let's go again. So I said, okay. So we stood there, said go. And this time as we ran out, we tried to run a little faster. He started getting more aggressive. He started throwing elbows and he started kind of kicking at me. When I tried to pass him, he wouldn't let me. And he kind of pulled back on me in several times. And finally I got around him, went around the end of the pier, swam in waited for him. When he came back out, he said, let's go again. So we do it again. And this time he starts throwing punches. This time when I get ahead of him, he grabs my ankles and pulls me back and pushes me down under the water. My fight to get around him, to get around that pier and in was difficult, but I did it, came back. We swam that pier six times that day. I thought for sure that Mr. Bray hated me because of how he talked to me and because of how he treated me. A year later, I tried out to be an ocean lifeguard and stood with 400 people on the shore of the beach and uh, they said go and we were to swim around a buoy that was the same distance as the pier. And as we entered the water, I got elbowed and I got punched and people scratched at me. And as I tried to pass them, they jumped on top of me and they, just, they were angry and they pulled at me and they pushed me down. And I had to fight my way all the way through those people to get around that pier and back in to get a place in order to get the job. And I learned later that Mr. Bray had told them that I was one of the most qualified people that he had met in the junior lifeguard program. And because of his recommendation and because of his training, I got the job. And what I realized at that time was Mr. Bray did not hate me. Mr. Bray, he gave me the training I needed in order to be prepared. And he was willing to let me hate him so that I would learn, and I did hate him until I really realized what the man had done. When I talk to you about the LDS Church, and when I present to you the things that are absolutely contrary to biblical truth and practice, absolutely contrary to Christian belief, it's not because I hate you. I don't hate you. The Mormon people are as much my people as Israel were Paul's people, and I love them with the same heart. And my desire is that Mormons everywhere will have the spiritually regenerative relationship with Jesus that I had. I don't think that happens now. And so I voice my opinion on things that have to change in order for Mormonism to be fully embraced by um, the Christian community and for Latter-day Saints to know the Lord. Um, last week, I addressed one doctrinal point that needs to be removed from the Mormon church the present LDS church, any aspect of plural marriage spiritually practiced in print or in thought must be immediately and completely abolished. Now, I'm looking at these, this is Time Magazine. I mean, this is LA Times. I get the paper last Friday, a front page thing, blind eye to culture of abuse. This is a front page article on polygamy. No, I know Mormons today, true Latter-day Saints don't practice polygamy, but they still have Doctrine and Covenants 132 as part of their canon. They still practice spiritual polygamy, and most Latter-day Saints, if you're honest, believe that the practice will continue on into the eternities. That has to go, and so I stand on that. 
There have been bombings, there have been murders, lost boys, even kidnappings of young girls taken up into the mountains. Why? All in the name of polygamy. Why? All because of Doctrine and Covenants 132. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think what is the onus of this stuff? What kind of fruit does this type of doctrine bear? This is what it bears. I say my brothers and sisters of the LDS Church should have nothing to do with polygamy. I say have nothing to do with section 132. Nothing to do with section 132. That means in the, the doctrine should be removed. That means the practices should be removed. That means the bishops and the stake presidents and the, and the prophet and the leaders should say, we will not be practicing polygamy in the eternities. Men will not have multiple wives. Now, I answered a, a call from a woman today from Provo, Utah. She was in her 80s and she was a delight. I loved her. She was kind and considerate. I just, she had such a heart. And she explained to me why they have polygamy. She said, you have to understand for men to become gods, it's so important that they have plenty of wives to bear the spiritual children, to build up all those uh, planets so that there's people on them. This is a woman who sincerely believed this stuff. And, 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 and Latter-day Saints are mad at me for bringing it up and like it's not a practice anymore. Like I'm the one who's wrong here in bringing it up. That's not fair and it's not right. You believe in it. The media today is saying uh, when the Latter-day Saint representative gets up, we've distanced ourselves from that. We aren't part of that. We're not part of the FLDS. That is not true because you're part of it in the fact that you still maintain that it's a heavenly practice and it will be an eternal practice. That is not right. It has to stop. Have nothing to do with 132. We're going to open up the phone lines now. But before doing so, I want to do some house cleaning, cleaning with some follow-up viewers. Last week, we had a caller named Natalie from Taylorsville who took exception to me saying that the church promotes the idea that a living prophet trumps a dead one. She said this was categorically, she didn't use the word categorically, she says this was just not true. So I told her I would look and I would find in Ezra Taft Benson, February 26, um, 1980, presented a talk. 14 Fundamentals in Following the Prophet. The first point in the talk, the prophet is the only man who speaks for the Lord and everything. Second, the living prophet is more vital to us than the standard works. President Wilford Woodruff tells an interesting incident that occurred in the days of Prophet Joseph Smith. I'd like to read this to you. We'll take just a second. I will refer to a certain meeting I attended in the town of Kirtland in my early days. At that meeting, some remarks were made that have been made here today with regard to the living oracles, that's prophet, and with regard to the written word of God. The same principle was, was presented, although not as extensively as been here. When a leading man in the church got up and talked about the subject, he said, you've got the word of God before, here, before you hear in the Bible, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants. You have the written word of God. We should confine ourselves to them. When he concluded, Brother Joseph turned to Brigham Young and said, Brother Brigham, I want you to take a stand and tell us your views on, with regard to the living oracles and the written word of God. Brother Brigham took the stand. He took the Bible, laid it down. He took the Book of Mormon and laid it down. He took the Doctrine and Covenants and laid them down. And he said, there is the written word of God to us concerning the work of God from the beginning of the world almost to our day. And now, he said, when compared with the living oracles, those books are nothing to me. 
Those books do not convey the word of God directly to us now, as do the words of the prophet or a man bearing the holy priesthood in our day and generation. I would rather have the living oracles than all the writings in the books. That was the course he pursued. And when he was through, Brother Joseph said to the congregation, Brother Brigham has told you the word of the Lord, and he has told you the truth. Third, the living prophet is more important to us than a dead prophet. Did you hear me, um, Natalie in Taylorsville? Ezra Taft Benson, third, the living prophet is more important to us than a dead prophet. The living prophet has the power of TNT. That's his quote, not mine. By that I mean today's news today. God's revelation to Adam did not instruct Noah how to build the ark. Noah needed his own revelation. Therefore, the most important prophet, so far as you and I are concerned, is the one living in our day and age to whom the Lord is currently revealing to us. Therefore, the most important reading we can do is any of the words of the prophet contained each week in the church section of the Deseret News and any words of the prophet contained each month in our church magazines. The church leaders are saying that the prophets today have always trumped the past and the prophets today, their words are more important to you and your salvation than the holy words of scripture, especially the Bible. I hope Natalie of Taylorsville and other Latter-day Saints watching understand uh, what that uh, literally means. We had a man named Stephen post on our website that my reading interpretation of Doctrine and Covenants 132 was a lie, that, the, that I read the section out of context. Um, I want you to know that he says that the New and Everlasting Covenant is a covenant of eternal marriage, as stated in Doctrine and Covenants 132. Nowhere in the section does a man say that he must take a plural wife uh, you, what you need to do, Latter-day Saints, is get Doctrine and Covenants 132 and read the whole thing in context. The reason Doctrine and Covenants 132 was given was because Joseph Smith wanted to know from God, tell me, what do you think about the polygamy and the concubines of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon. I think he listed all of those. I can't remember the preface. Read that and read it in context. This is why section 132 must go. Have nothing to do with section 132. All right. Uh, we got an e email from another man that reads, Channel surfing brought me to a guy so full of hatred for the church that he bites the heads off of his collars when they return with a bit of heat about his background. He concludes there is only one church. Christ is not the one of confusion, one gospel, one church, authority from Christ only. I pray you will see the error of your ways. I agree there's one church, and it's the body of Christ, and it's made up of believers. As far as my getting heated when you bring up my background, I want to tell you this. A lot of the Latter-day Saints get very excited and feel glorious when they hear me say that I left the church because I was a sinner and when I say that I couldn't keep all the rules and commandments that they wanted. They think that's a victory. I propose that the Latter-day Saints who say that stay in the church because of self-righteousness. And I propose that that is a bigger sin, if there is a hierarchy of sin, to God than someone who says, I'm a sinner, I can't handle it. Jesus, save me. You have two different views here. Latter-day Saints who say, that guy couldn't handle it. He's a sinner. And Latter-day Saints who say, I am perfect. I can stand and handle it. That's the attitude you have when you call me a sinner. I suggest you rethink that one big time. All right. Uh, another email we got from Bill Jane said, dog vomit theology. Well said, Bill. 
Ah, oh, yes. I have no idea what that means. I preach, you know, that we need to become born again, that the Bible's the word of God, that we follow Jesus and all this extra stuff needs to go. If that's dog vomit theology, I'm sorry. Finally, um, I also want to read some good ones. Uh, we received this. We prayed for years that someone would stand up and tell it like it is regarding Mormonism. We have prayed the Lord to the Lord for courage and a willingness to be attacked as you are. We find so typical that Mormon defenders attack you, but they never admit that Joseph Smith having all those young wives was at least a bit odd. Keep at it, Sean. And my husband said if I decided to withdraw my name from the membership of the church, he will divorce me. That, doesn't, th that he doesn't want two different religions in the house. We have no kids. Is this common? In Salt Lake area, are there support groups, not Mormon abusing groups, but encouraging groups? That was from Cindy. Cindy, yes. Uh, to try one of those churches there that you uh, can find on standingtogether.org and it will help you. Um, Sean, I have uh, been compelled to write you for a while, but have, been fa but have failed for some time. My wife got me to watch your show. It was during a, review of your, a viewing of your program, I think it was show two, that I understood what it meant to be reborn. Soon thereafter, I prayed to the Lord for nothing, literally no things. For the first time, I prayed only to thank him. I prayed to say that I was a hopeless sinner and that I would never be able to control my own life. For the first time, I understood that faith alone actually will save me. And immediately, I felt the urge to produce good works as a testament to the sacrifice that was made for me and not the other way around. Sean, I know very little about the life I live, but I know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is due to the Lord using you as a conduit. Know this, I, Adam Blank, have been reborn through Jesus Christ because of your unfailing dedication to the truth. Thank you. I take no credit whatsoever. All I do is I praise God that we have people who are coming to the Lord and um, they're knowing him by just relinquishing their will over to Jesus Christ. It works, Latter-day Saints. Finally, we received dozens and dozens of calls about my take on polygamy. Uh, these calls can be broken down into three camps. Camp one, LDS who do not believe that the LDS church is behind polygamy. Read section 32, look at the temple practices, and realize what men and bishops and all the leaders will say about your future life in the hereafter. Is polygamy part of that? Find that out if you don't believe it's true. Second, um, polygamy is a, a caller's call and say polygamy is a great principle. The practice was evident and of God in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How do you respond to that? Well, uh, the way I respond to it is this. Uh, Abraham, the practice of polygamy, as was mentioned by a caller last week, I checked this out, began by Lamech uh, in the line of Cain. And the whole true purpose of marriage and relationships came through, was bastardized at that time. And the true order of marriage uh, was tweaked and some good men adopted those practices. Uh, there are many different pr sinful practices that the Lord will allow to continue to go on as he uh, leads his people. He doesn't strike everybody dead for all the immediate sins that they do. He lets things go on. Where were the polygamous practices of the New Testament? Was Jesus a polygamist? Some of you may even try to suggest that. The perfect example, we have Adam and Eve, you know what? Polygamy was not practiced under the authority of God or by God in the Old Testament. So you can drop that one. Now, some people will say the reference in 2 Samuel shows where God says, I've given you all these houses and wives that were Saul's. 
what, why, what are you doing? He didn't say I gave him wives. He said, I passed on to you everything that was the previous kings to you. That's what the context is. Read it and you'll see. Finally, there are people who say, why are you doing this, Sean? You're talking about polygamy. What is your purpose? My purpose is I go back to Paul. I have a love for Latter-day Saints, and I want you to see exactly what you're in presently. And I want you to be able to find the Lord by doing that. Before we go to the phones, one last thing I want to ask you a favor. When you email me, please have a central pointer question. I'm getting 14-page emails that cover the entire history of the church, and you want a similar response. I can't do it. So just give me one question. Same with the calls. If you have a point or a question or a comment, make the one point and let's move forward. All right, let's keep it moving. We are going to Cary in Salt Lake City. All right. And thank you, young lady. Cary in Salt Lake City is on line one. Cary, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, how are you? Two things. Good. Good. I'd like to per- apologize for all the attacks that people have do- given to you and your family personally because if they who are who they are, they don't do those kind of things. Well, thanks, Gary. You're welcome. I would love to know if you have any, um, any, um, I don't know what, the, okay. I'm looking to see if you're interested in doing any reruns um, at different times like the weekends or other evenings, or more shows. Oh. I think it's really good. I think it's enlightening, and I think um, channel surfing is good when, at different times. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, there's a few things. One is, I think people would, some people suggested longer. I think you would tire of me so quickly. Um, two, as far as playing them at different times, the station managers have talked about that, and they're uh, looking at possibly doing uh, reruns on the weekend. Awesome. awesome. And the other thing is you can get the shows, of course, anytime you want at www.bornagainmormon.com. Right. I've, I've done that, and I'm looking forward to your book. Thanks, Carrie. It's coming. You're welcome. All right. God bless. Thanks. Same to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. We are going to Joe and Tooele. Joe and Tooele, how you doing? I'm doing good. You're on Heart of the Matter. Um, I just wanted to say, hey, what a great job you're doing, and I'm praying for you, and uh, yeah, just keep up the good work with your ministry, and uh, I think it's a great job that you're doing. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it, man. God bless. You bet. Thanks. Come to the picnic. Oh, I will. Oh, good. Bring a a non-Christian friend. I will. All right, brother. Take care. Uh, Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Douglas on line two. Douglas, you're on Heart of the Matter. Okay. All right, man. Yep. Um, Abraham... uh, God was um, pleased with Abraham because of his righteousness right. before he ever became uh, a Jew or was circumcised. Okay. Throughout history with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Israelites, and the Jewish law that developed over time, by the time Christ came to the earth, uh-huh. there were just hundreds of laws that they were living to so a, a tough time yeah being up with living righteously they took sacrifices to the temple yeah jesus christ came and became that sacrifice for all of us yes sir his grace his love for us and our ability to believe in him and trust in him is the grace that, that, for, that forgives us of our sin, and through the blood atonement on the cross, 
we are forgiven for all of our sins. And so we go out and share and testify and love others. And if we come from a Mormon background, we would love to see our family, our loved ones, our brothers and sisters and family and friends we went to high school with. Amen. Become born-again Christians. Amen. And to recognize that polygamy for one and all of the legalisms, the living the commandments, sustaining the general authorities, living all of the commandments, and righteously to obtain the celestial kingdom is, is, is all of the laws and legalisms that Jesus Christ came to put an end to. Joe, Greek Joe, or Jew. Joe, I love your testimony. It's right on target. I appreciate it. It supports mine and it gave a lot of food for thought for people out there. Keep watching, brother. We're going to go on. Thank you. Have a nice evening. You too. Take care. We got Quincy from Ogden. Quincy. Hey, Sean. How are you? Much love for you, brother. Thanks, man. What's going on? Uh, what's going on? Um, I was, you know, just talking about Romans 10 there and um, talking about not a, uh, what Paul was stating, you know, about the law and, and not according to knowledge. Right. It's not, it's, it, but it goes back to the, um, the Proverbs were, were 1 7, where the beginning, the, be, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's true. And, and this is, and that's God's righteousness because God is always right and man is not. That's, that's right. One of the biggest mistakes of man and churches and organizations that they're trying to get their own salvation. And Absolutely. not going to the Word of God. Absolutely. Uh, you know, many times in my walk through this world, I hear people, well, I believe, and I just stop and look, I really don't care what you believe. Right. But what does God say? And, you know, Brother Sean, you take a lot of heat. But that verse in chapter 9, 33, just before the chapter you read, uh-huh. it's understand why. As it is written, behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling block, a stumbling block. and rock of offense. And whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. And you know what? They came at Jesus. They're going to come at you. Hey, Quincy, and you should be a pastor if you're not one. <laughs> I, I love all time, Rojan. Love your message. Thanks so much. Right. All right, man. We're going to Craig on line two. Craig from Sandy. You're on Heart of the Matter. Craig? Hi. Hi, Craig. Having me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Um... I can't figure out if you're uh, anti-Mormon or... Well, I'll tell you, I'm anti-Mormonism, but I love Mormons. And I'm different than some uh, critics of the church because I do believe, and this is going to cause heat from the Christian side, but I do believe there are Mormons who are saved. And I do believe they know the Lord and have coming to know the Lord and are in progress in, in learning to understand Him. So a lot of... Uh, counter cults will say, you know, that's impossible. They're all going to hell. And, and I just don't take that position. But I am anti-Mormonism because Mormonism, the doctrine, does not teach biblical Christianity. And so I got to stand against it. Do you believe Joseph Smith was a prophet? No. No. I believe Joseph Smith was a man with good intentions who got caught up in his own uh, ego and he kind of ran with it. And I want to tell you something. This might sound egotistical, um, but I resonate to Joseph Smith because you can use your charisma and you can use your strength and you can use a lot of things to lead people. 
and you can keep going and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I understand that in some ways, but it's categorically wrong. It's like Quincy said earlier, it's what God thinks. It's not what we think. And the Bible teaches that purely. Well, I understand that, but you know, you're you're not you're not any different than somebody who just is an anti doesn't believe. I mean, our basis of our church is modern day prophets. I understand. Is a modern day prophet. I understand that. We, how can we question polygamy? It's like Abraham questioning whether or not he should kill his son. There's no. He there's didn't a, understand it, but God did. There's a huge difference, Douglas. It was Abraham's wife Sarah who told Abraham to take the polygamous wife. It wasn't God. There's a huge difference. It was God oh, who told... that's an interpretation. Oh, it's not an interpretation. That's well, biblical truth. You don't understand the whole story. He was testing to see if Abraham would do what he said. Are you talking about polygamy or are you talking about the sacrifice of his son? Sacrifice. He, well, I agree with that. But that's why I said God told Abraham to take his son and sacrifice him. Yeah. But it was his wife, Sarah, who told him to take the extra wife. That was Sarah's way of fulfilling the promise that God had made. Sarah said, you know what? It's not happening. I'm not having children. Take my handmaid. Let's do it this way. And Abraham said, okay. And that was the, that was the good, righteous man making a mistake. And that's just point blank the way it is. Okay. And, and, and one other thing is, if that's the case, let's say that they practice that. What does polygamy have to do in 1820 in a civilized society when Jesus has already come and atoned for the sins of the world. Oh, what does it have to do? Douglas, we're going on. I appreciate your call, and I like your tenor. Yeah, thank, you for, thank you for being kind. Okay, brother, take care. Bye-bye. We're going to Bruce. I want you to know that if the phone lines are full, please call back. If you're getting a recording, just keep calling back and keep trying. The recording is just what happens when all of our lines are full, and they are full. All right, let's go to Bruce in Kaysville. Hi, Sha. Hi. Uh, I, I had this experience with Mormonism. By the way, I'm from Utah. I was, I was raised uh, as a Mormon kid, uh, so forth and so on, much like yourself. Um, and I drifted away from it uh, in early adulthood. And mm -hmm. I had this experience with my uh, four-year-old son. Okay. Uh, who would tell all his friends that I'm going to baptize him. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it was rather hard, so I, I really struggled, and I, I read, I, I did everything I was supposed to in the Mormon Church, and uh, to make a long story short, um, I had a gentleman in the elders' quorum that, uh, he was from Argentina, and uh, he was in the Mormon Church during the Falklands. So he, he he took a lot of guff mm. uh, because he was he belonged to a, a Yankee religion, mm -hmm. and he said it and it struck home so strong. Mm. He said, "Unless you have a firm and true testimony of Joseph Smith mm -hmm. that he he what happened to him happened, you cannot believe in this church." He's right. It, He's it, right. It, it it made the total difference. What are you now? Um, I, I am born again. Uh, I, I study thoroughly. Um, I, I love my relationship with Christ. I love God. Praise God. You, I, I, I'm like you. I do believe there are some LDS people that are saved, and I get a lot of stuff about that from uh, right. 
fellow believers right. who, who do not believe. But I, I firmly believe that. There, sure. there are people out there that do their temple rites and everything because they love God. That's right. And, and that's good works. It's not wood, hay, and stubble. Right. Uh, but I appreciate your show. Hey, man, thanks for, and thanks for that testimony. That means a lot. All right, call back. Okay. All right, guys, see ya. Listen, before we go to Diana, I want to say something. And, and, and what he brought up is really true, and it's really important. If you are a believing Latter-day Saint, you have to understand this, and this is a truth, examine it. You have to have as much faith in Joseph Smith, born in 1800, 1805, or whatever it was, as you do in Jesus Christ. That is a bottom line fact. And if you want to go that route and you want to put your faith in that, there is a consequence for that belief. And there is a, a great hindrance to knowing the Lord when you would put your faith in a man. One man produced the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price. 95% of the doctrines in this church are by one man. And when you examine him, you have to really say, I have as much faith in him as the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to put that warning out there to you. We're going to Diana in South Jordan. Diana. Hi, Sean. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Good. Just wanted to give you hats off uh, oh. as far as having the chutzpah ah. to stand up and say what you're thinking. Oh. And especially, I think the state needs the adversity to know truth. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Diana. That means a lot to me. It, this, this polygamy week has been a tough one. Well, it has been, but again, the courage is, is phenomenal, and you can, you can tell you've got God on your side. Thanks so much. Praise God. And, and are you going to come the, to the picnic? I am, but I have one question to you. What? And that is, as far as these prophets are concerned, yeah. one, Brigham Young, and he did um, do blood atonement. Yeah. And by experiencing that, I don't know if the whole audience knows about that, but I know it's one thing it's hushed-hushed by the church. Absolutely. And any man who will kill his own <laughs> brethren or encourage that, and that is having them dig their own graves if they've done an unrighteousness that he's told them not to do, and I've understood this to be that they uh, have the individual dig their own grave and say the prayers and they slit him from ear to ear and bleed him and put him into the grave. The only thing <clears throat> is I can't comment because I don't know it. I, I've, I've read a lot about blood atonement, but I, I don't know the facts. In fact, I would petition uh, Sandra Tanner, who is an excellent researcher, to tell us if there's any fact on that, Diana. I know you've heard the stories, and it may very well be true, but in order for us to, to keep going without getting the... I know. Yeah. I know, but I understand this. I, and I, I received this from Sister Tanner and her, and her writing. Did you? Oh, excellent. I'll get that resource. Well, anyway, um, the, other one, the other thing I want to share with you that most people don't realize this is that... All old written testament, uh, testament from the church, uh -huh. original ones read it, written, uh -huh. are completely tried to cl be cleaned up out of oh, yeah. the public. Yeah. But I did personally read Joseph Smith's diary, and uh -huh. I did that because my girlfriend's father was a book, book connoisseur and an active Mormon. Huh. But I read his diary at his home uh -huh. for a week. I read that book huh. out of Joseph Smith's pen. Wow. Printed by the church in 1840-something. Wow. And by reading that testimony of his, I realized this man is far from being a prophet. Uh -huh. When he would complain about the local people chastising him and making fun of him, and in his diary he, would, he penned that he and the brethren would get together and corner these people and, and kill them by slitting their throats and bleeding them and wow. disemboweling them. Wow. It was by his pen, in his diary, and it was published by the church. 
and most people don't ever have the opportunity to read that, and I have said that to many church act. I'm, I'm going to find that too, Diana. And I've been threatened because it is true. It is, uh, the family still owns this publication, hmm. and uh, I read it personally, so I just wanted to share that with you. Thanks for your uh, testament, and we'll, we'll check all that out and bring it more to the forefront. Please do, and good luck to you. Thanks, Diana. Bye. Bye. We're going to Lindsay in Clearfield. Lindsay, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Um, I just had a statement for the LDS people. Okay. Um, and it's just for something that, for them to think about. Um, it goes along with polygamy and how they believe that they're going to be gods when they go to heaven. Um, that's the mother of all lies, and that's what Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden and said, if you eat this fruit, you'll be a god. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's a good point because Doctrine and Covenants 132 talks about them being gods and they will become gods and so you're right it's the it's the it's the drive most mormons will agree with it and they need to know the lord to understand that that it's just not biblical and that was the downfall of satan too it certainly was and there's only one true god amen appreciate your call Lindsay. thanks we're going on uh we've got some calls to read there's still operators are answering uh, why do some? Why do Mormons believe Isaac was a polygamist? Carol and Saul. You know what? I don't know. Uh, in fact, I'm not sure that I ever hear Isaac. It may have just been my slip of the tongue. I will check that out and comment on it next week, uh, Carol. Um, doesn't want to leave name. Wants to know about plural marriage. Why did Joseph Smith marry all his wives in secret? Section 132. They weren't all married in secret. Um, some of them were. Most of them were. A few were known. And. Um, a couple were known by Emma, but Emma put up with it for like about a week or something and just couldn't take it anymore and kicked the couple that, that he had married out onto the street. And when, he, when Emma did that, they turned to Joseph like, stand up for us. And Joseph went to them and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. And it's over. And he kind of ended the marriage with, by saying, like, it's over. That's a paraphrase. So that's a true story. So I don't know. I, I understand the meaning, the inference of your question. If it was such a right principle, why keep it secret? Um, great inference, you know. But uh, he, he did definitely keep most of them secret. Uh, I can't explain that one. Uh, we're going to Bruce, born-again former Mormon. Is Mormonism plagi plagiarized Judaism? Uh, there's a lot of parallels in Judaism and Mormonism, uh, and Joseph knew Judaism pretty well, I think, in the Old Testament. I also believe that Mormonism parallels uh, Islam uh, greatly, uh, and many of their tenets, and the structure of legalism, and so you're going to find that uh, they, they parallel many different ways. You know, world philosophy, they often parallels each other. Regardless of what it is, when you look at it, it often parallels each other. Uh, so, not that Judaism is a world philosophy, but the other ones are. All right, we're going to Clay and Sandy on line two. Clay, you're on Heart of the Matter. Clay? If you're uh, just a born-again Christian, why don't you just, yeah. Why don't I just what? Why don't you just preach born-again values? Why do you have to rip on the Mormon church? Your whole format is ripping on the Mormons. Yeah, because I love the Mormons and they need to know the truth, Clay. Now, why don't you get your own doctrine, though? What? Why would I do that? The doctrine's in the Bible. I believe the Bible. It, cha it changed my life. Format, Clay. rip on the Mormons. I mean, well, the Mormons should be ripped on, Clay, if they believe in these things. Yeah. What? 
Do we rip on the Baptists? The reason you don't rip on them is because you're guilty of so much. If you were preaching the gospel, you wouldn't. You, it's, it's not about that. If you have the truth, you would say something. You don't rip on them because you want to appear peaceful and you want to include everybody and look like it's a thing of love. But you know what? It doesn't mean that you're right. Why don't you just get your own doctrine? Why would I get my own doctrine? I have the Bible. The whole show is ripping on the Mormons. That's because they need to be ripped on. Are you coward? Well, I'm a coward? <laughs> Your whole show is ripping on Mormons. How is that so being cowardly? Get your own doctrine. I know Mormonism. <laughs> All right, we're going to Stephen and Clinton. Stephen on line one. Stephen, you're on. Hey, how you doing? I've got a question, and then, then I'll make another question. Um, I don't see much of a difference between going door, door to people's homes all over the world and telling them that you have a better gospel. Than what I'm doing? No, I'm talking about the Mormons tell Christians that they have a more enlightened gospel. A full gospel. I don't see that any different than what you're doing. <laughs> oh, okay. Personally. Okay. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay, I've, yeah. Got, a, I've got a comment. And I want you to... And I, I appreciate that insight. I haven't even thought of that. Yeah. My, my wife actually came out of Mormonism okay. by reading some scripture. And it was in the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants. Okay. And let, me, let me read it to you. It's Jacob 2, okay. verse 24. And any Mormon watching can look this up. Polygamy. Behold, What's that? That's about polygamy, right? It, well, yeah. yeah. David, behold, David and Solomon truly had many wives and concubines, which thing was an abomination before me, says the Lord. Yeah. Abomination. Yeah. Now, in Doctrine and Covenants 132, chapter, um, 132, verse 39, David's wives and concubines were given unto him by me by the hand of Nathan. Right. Now, to me, my wife saw it as a total contradiction. Right. She's right. In the Book of Mormon, it was a blessing, I mean, a curse, abomination, which was leftovers from a sacrifice. Right. And in the Doctrine and Covenants, it was a blessing because Joseph found it entertaining. You are absolutely, you've nailed it on the head. That's exactly right. Now, Mormons will say that Joseph gained light and knowledge as he went along, and polygamy was revealed when he translated the Book of Mormon, quote-unquote, you know, of that time for that book, it was wrong. But when he received further light and knowledge, he became enlightened. And that's when polygamy became all right. I, w I would have to suggest this, though, that, that like, apparently God became enlightened. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have to look at the facts, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess he's progressing, right? Well, actually, uh, I, I think McConkie taught that he isn't progressing. That that's one of the seven deadly heresies. But still, uh, you're right. I mean, really, if you just look at it like you're looking at it, come on. And that's what, you know, let me make the point. That's one of the problems with the Book of Mormon. I was talking about this with some dear friends at lunch. The Book of Mormon teaches 19th century Christianity. And that's what Joseph Smith knew. And so he, he, made a, he, he came up with a book that taught that. So Mormons will refer to that as, we're Christian, we're Christian, because look at our Book of Mormon, it teaches these things. But it's, the problem is, is, one, if it's origins. And secondly, he continued to add so many things that are so not Christian. It's a terrible trap. Yeah, it is, and, and, I, and I've said this before, I think the Mormons should actually be using their Doctrine and Covenants door-to-door, -door, not the Book of Mormon, because that's where their doctrine is. That is really a good point, and you know what, let's see, they, they, they call me a coward, let's see them go door-to-door -door with their Doctrine and Covenants and try to preach that gospel. I've had missionaries show up to my house, and I said, let's put your Book of Mormon down, let's get into your gospel. Yeah. It's your Doctrine and Covenants. Amen. So good. You're doing a great job, and God bless you. Thanks so much. Thanks for your points. Okay, bye. All right, we're going to David on line three. David, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Um, I had a question. Okay. It's not got nothing to do with polygamy or nothing like that. But okay. I'm a, I'm a member of the church. Okay. But 
I've watched your show for the last three weeks. Uh huh. Just started watching. Um, you got me thinking. <laughs> oh, good. Um, I was just wondering if I, if I uh, accept Jesus Christ uh -huh. to be my personal Savior, but I still stay a Mormon, what does that mean? Well, you know, that is, yeah, let me tell you something. Of all the battles I get from my Christian brothers and sisters, it's this one. And what I would suggest is that you go and you take and you give you take the challenge that we talk about and you give Jesus everything and you let him guide your life and he will I trust in a God who will lead you completely when you completely relinquish your life and will to him and I know he will do that for you so whatever he does for you you let him do it and you tell him you'll follow him and you tell him that you'll turn your life over and you give him the chance to do it and then you'll see what happens that's my answer because I don't know what God's going to do in anybody's life, and I will not put him in a box, and I won't take his ways, uh, my ways over his ways. I believe that if you came to me and said, Sean, I don't believe in Mormonism, and what should I do? I would say, get out. But if you're saying, hey, I think I'm, I'm, I might want to stay right now, but I want to have this Jesus experience, have the Jesus experience with all your heart, give it to him, and see what he does for you. Okay. That's my answer. Okay. That's a good answer. I, I was just—it's just my whole family's members, and I understand it completely, my brother. You know, it's kind of hard to to switch when you got so many people plugging at you. So let me ask you this: What do you think you'll do if you pray to the Lord and really give Him your heart and trust that He's going to change it? He might not do it quick, and suddenly He changes your heart and you see everything in life in a different light. And I'm telling you, you will you will get the courage and strength to do what the Lord wants you to do. I promise you that, brother. If you ever want to do that, you can call me privately. We can do it on air. I'll be glad to lead you through the steps. Okay. All right? All right, thanks. Thanks for calling. God bless. We, we are going to line three. We just did. We're going to Johnny. Uh, we just did line three. We're going to... Johnny on line two. Johnny on line two. Yeah, Sean, I just want to make a, just a simple statement. I just think that if, uh, if uh, this state was based on freedom of expression, then we, we need this open discussion, and we need uh, this uh, diversity, this platform that um, you presented. And I just want you to know I, I love your show, and I got your book yesterday. Oh, good. Oh, great. I'm glad you got it, man. Let me know what you think. All right, I just want to leave you with some positive and do keep, keep up the good work. Thanks for the positive comments, brother. Take care. Take care. Listen, I want to say something um, uh, quickly about um, some resources really quick. Um, one, this, is, this show is rebroadcast at 11 o'clock on Tuesday mornings. Uh, second, excellent resources that I love and I think are very reputable. No one's perfect, but they're very reputable. Utah Lighthouse Ministries. Excellent resources to go to. I've always appreciated their honesty. They've done some very brave things in this business, and uh, I really like what they have to say. So if you're searching Utah Lighthouse Ministries, I think it's utlm.org or com. And the other is Living Hope Ministries out of Brigham City, Utah. Uh, in fact, I think I have their phone number here. 435-723-6469. Uh, that's uh, Utah. That's um, 
That's uh, Living Hope Ministries. They have a great DVD. If you're LDS and you want to see some great things, go to them. Also look at um, the Bible versus the Book of Mormon. That's their DVD. It is really wonderful, and it's, it just lays the facts out. It's not some scary thing. So I suggest both of those. We're going to go to uh, one more call, I think, here. I'm sorry for those of you who have called, uh, but just keep calling. Let's go to Joe and Magna. Joe, did I talk to you last week? Yes, you did. All right, what's happening? Um, not much. Um, with my, uh, my, my, little, my little sister's on the other line, too. Hi. So, Hi. Um, yeah, you told me to read the book of John. Yeah. And I, I did. There's, like, tons of books. I, I read all of them, and it has nothing to do uh, about the church is true or not. Well, it's not, a, it's not a matter of whether the church is true. It's just a matter of Jesus and what he means to you as a savior in your life. The book of John doesn't present the same Jesus that you've been taught in the LDS church. And that's why I recommended that you read it. I mean, that's just the point. You just got, I'm just asking you to read it and prayerfully ask God to take over your life and see if he'll do it. You're asking God to take off my life? Take over your life. Yeah, take over my life. Yeah, I think, I think, I'm not asking him. You need to ask him to do that, and you need to give him a chance to do that and trust that he'll do it in faith, and then read the Bible and to see where he leads you. That was my point, Joe. Really? Yeah, I trust he's going to lead you if you search. If there's, all, if, if there's ever a seeker, he, they find God. They just do, and I trust that completely. If you're truly seeking, you're going to find him. If you're seeking to prove people wrong or to try to say, hey, I did this and he's wrong, you know, it's not going to do anything. I did that too. You're not alone. But if you're really seeking him and your heart truly says, hey, I need you to show me truth, take over my life, give me a new heart, open your word to me, and you really mean it, God does not return void anything. He is going to fill your life with change. And that's my whole point. Hey, um, you know how you're talking about the Mormon church, right? Yeah. Hey. Isn't everyone entitled to their own beliefs? Everyone is entitled to their own beliefs, yes. Then why are you just, um, trying to prove them wrong? Well, would you try to prove, uh, if you had a child and they had certain beliefs that were errant, would you try to prove them wrong or would you say, it's okay, believe what you want, baby? What if the, what if the kid said, hey, I want to smoke pot every day? Would you say, it's okay, you got to believe what you want? Or would you try to show them differently? No, but... Um, there's so many different religions. How do you know the Mormon church is not the true church? Because I use the Bible as my guide and I have been spiritually regenerated. Those two things are vital to you knowing truth. You're, you have to have a new heart. And that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. Let me ask you two, have you been born again? If you have, then you're going to have a vision, a new spirit, just like a new baby. You're born again. You're going to have a new view. If you haven't been born again, you're not going to understand the truths that are presented before you. What do you mean born again? Like, you mean baptized or what? No, I, I, mean, I mean that you're, the Lord steps in and he gives you a new heart like he did with Samuel. He gives you a brand new heart and a brand new spirit. And you begin to understand the things of the spirit instead of the things of your flesh. Well, yeah, um... And back on, on uh, about 20 minutes ago, I, I disagree on that 132 section. Yeah. That, that, that big subject there. Joe, you know what? I, you, I want you to email me at www.bornagainmormon to talk this stuff out. We're taking up the whole show, jumping from one thing to another. Call me back or let's go to that and just do it by email, not the show. One last call. Jenny on line two. Got to be quick, Jenny. Hi there. Hi. Um, I just wanted to know if you could tell me a few things about all this. 
Okay, what, all what? The show? Uh, yeah. Oh, I was LDS for 40 years. I served in a bishopric. I served in Stake High Council for four years. I taught early morning seminary. I'm a returned missionary, married in the temple. I came to know the Lord at the side of the road. He changed my life completely. He gave me new vision into what truth is, and I became a Christian. Just a regular paper bag, normal Christian of any Christian church. I believe in the tenets of the Bible. But because I understand Mormonism so well, I have a call on my life to talk and reach out to Latter-day Saints and help them know Jesus through spiritual rebirth. I understand that a lot, and that's, I kind of like to be more Christian than Mormon. I, I like the way that you guys do things. Uh, yeah. The views are, are pretty good. Now, what I would say is sometimes the Mormon practices of a church are much better than the Christians. You know, they're pretty good. And so I think that the Christian church can learn a lot from the Mormon church when it comes to how to do certain things. I, yeah, that's, I agree on that a lot. Yeah. I think the way you guys worship is a lot more funner, oh. interesting than the way Mormons do it. I don't have anything against all that, but I just like it a lot better. Isn't it more meaningful when you worship that way? Sometimes. Yeah. I, to me, it always has been. I, I just love that worship. And that was an aspect that helped me uh, uh, come to see God in a new way once I was reborn. But I love your comments, Jennifer. Keep watching. Tune back in. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Uh -huh, Bye-bye. I'm sorry for the callers who are online. If you want to call us again, if you want to email us, please do that. The show is, is, um, is a great opportunity to discuss these things, and you all have very important messages uh, to give. I'm uh, more friendly in person than I am with a camera staring at me. And uh, uh, I want you to know that I love you, Latter-day Saints. I love you with all my heart. And I believe that God uh, has asked me with my limited ability, with my missing teeth, with the fat that hangs off my body and all the things that you guys poke fun of, I believe that God wants me to ask you to come to know his son through spiritual rebirth by giving your life over to him and being born again. If you take the challenge of being born again, you will come to know him in no uncertain terms and your life will change for the good forever. I promise you this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm on a ride, going nowhere. I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going This man's awake, a storm's arising the dawn's waiting till a hundred monkeys know And I can feel the light till monkeys start 